Hi, and welcome to the Vino Karma show. My name is Amanda Layden, and I am here today with the amazing Ashley Trout, the founder and winemaker for Vital Wines. Vital Wines is a non-profit winery for better health care for vineyard and cellar workers. So before we jump into our conversation, please remember to like and subscribe below and go ahead and follow Ashley on Instagram at Vital Wines. Ashley, it's really great to see you. Welcome to Vino Karma. Amanda, thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. I'm so excited you're here because I think the work you're doing is incredibly important. And, you know, I just hope you can share with people who don't know who you are a little bit about who you are and how you got into the wine industry. Okay. Yeah. So my name's Ashley Trout and I got into the wine industry when I was 18. It was just sort of right place, right time. I started doing the the nighttime punch downs late at night, which is what 18 year olds are good for. (laughs) And, uh, and then the rest is history. Um, I've, I've been in the industry, um, all my adult life and love it. And, um, Grew up in a in a bicultural, bi, uh, bilingual household, and it was really clear to me early on that there were some things that needed to be resolved on that front here, not just here, but really any wine growing region. Um, but what was what was specific to here was that I was here and I could do something about it. And also, it was a newer wine industry, and I think one thing that happens in older wine industries is you get that bridge generation that grows up old enough that they start tackling those issues on an organic front, right? An organic growth front. And we hadn't had that time yet. And, and I didn't want to wait any longer. So I started Vital Wines. That's so great. So you've had Vital Wines since 2016, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And you strive to make the community a better place and to create one community where there's been many. How do you go about doing this? Um, So, you know, bridging the gap with the communities and um, in the greater wine industry as a whole. Yeah, great question. So I, I think perfection is the enemy of progress on something like this. You know, day one, you're not gonna nail it. Nobody's gonna nail it. It's you're not gonna win. Uh, all the wins. And so that's huge. Um, And then I think meeting people where they are. Uh, So we do this really cool dinner where once a year where um, for every dinner ticket sold, that's also a donated seat for a harvest worker who harvested for vital that year. And it, and I realized immediately early on that two things, one um, I needed to go tell the Latino population that was coming that night Like, we don't need you to speak English. We don't need you to dress a certain way. We don't need you to sit next to a bunch of gringos and have it be incredibly awkward all night long, right? We just need you to show up in Mm -hmm. any capacity that you're willing to show up, right? Everybody just for one night a year needs to show up and we're baby stepping. And so I think meeting people where they are and and that happened and that was, you know, sort of slightly awkward for everybody, but everybody understood it was important. And then by the third year, we had these situations where like the, the crews were showing up and the women were kicking their husbands out and we're like, we're going to have a ladies table. And they drank all the muscat and they <laughs> hooted and hollered and right. And then it was great. But like, I think it just takes a hot second. That's great. I, you know, I think there's so many kind of underserved populations, particularly in the wine industry. And one of them, which 
you know, I think people don't understand are really truly the backbone of this industry or is sometimes the immigrant population here in America. Um, can you share a little bit more about how we can support specifically that population or the and or the population that works in the vineyards? That's really hard to do. I mean, in the sense that you it's a great question. And I think it really goes back to baby steps. Um, you know, I think just the fact that you even asked that question somewhere in the interweb somehow is like step one, right? And then step two is you get 60,000 more people to ask that same question until finally wineries as a whole are sort of um, market pressured into dotting their T's and crossing their I's, not just in, our, in an organic or a biodynamic front, but in a, in a social, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just uh, basic human rights front, you know, right? And so, and then you get that certification or you at least answer for it on your website if that certification isn't robust or, or reliable. And so I think um, those are kind of the next steps. And, and you're seeing some of that happen, um, but we can have more. Definitely. I, I'm seeing now, you know, people are being like organizations and wineries sometimes are almost their feet are being put to the fire because certain things have gone on in the industry, especially in the past year. And there's some things that happened overnight. I don't know if you're, you've been watching what's been going on just around, you know, basic human rights and how we show up and how we treat others. And in this day and age, like consumers are watching, you know, they're, if they want to know, you know, are people being treated humanely? Um, are people being paid a fair wage? Is there, is there sexual harassment in your organization? You know, they want to know all of these things. And it's really important. I think whatever side of the industry we're on, that we start thinking seriously and thoughtfully and intentionally about how we set our organizations up. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, you at Vital Wines have given back so much to the community. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you've achieved um, by making this wine and some of the ways you've given back? Yeah, it's been a really wild ride. It's been really, really exciting and, and fulfilling. And I think one of the things that we noticed with Vital when you talk about meeting people where they are is Vital has been sort of this carrot dangling between these two communities. And, um, and so it's very easy for us to move to the left or move to the right and sort of be there for all, for all entities in, in whatever way they want to help. And, and what I noticed early on, very early on, and it was, it was a shock to me is that many of the problems we face as an industry go back to the fact that I think deep down inside, we're all still in seventh grade. <laughs> we're all still worried about looking stupid, right? So like our, you know, as a crew boss, who's really concerned about his crew, like truly the, the expiration date or, or the physical blockage to that going two or three or five steps further is just, am I going to look stupid? Right. Mm -hmm. Am I going to look stupid speaking Spanish? Am I going to look stupid wearing the wrong thing? Am I going to look stupid when I eat the thing the wrong way? Right. Whatever it is. And, and the same is true for the Latino community going the other direction. So when you have this carrot sort of dangling in the middle, the world just unleashes. And we have had this downpouring of volunteers and donations. And I usually have to turn down between 30 and 100 tons of donated fruit every year. 
So wow. it's pretty cool. And this is not my day job. Right. So yes. I have another winery that I actually like, that's my day job. And so I need to, you know, it all needs to be sustainable. And, um, but yeah, even, even, um, in the, up until now, what we've accomplished is we, um, historically sent a hundred percent of our profits to a non, uh, to a nonprofit clinic an open door, no questions asked free bilingual healthcare clinic called the SOS clinic here. It's officially in college place, Washington, but it's really in the Walla Walla area where all these vineyards are. Um, so that was what we were doing. And then when COVID hit, one thing we did was we launched the day at home program. So the day at home program was uh, a fundraising venture where we would just no strings attached, no red tape. We would hand cash $108 a day per worker who wanted to stay home if they worked on a crew where somebody had tested positive, because this is, these are the people who a speed bump is a big deal, mm-hmm. right? Any speed bump is a brick wall. And, um, and so to be able to, for instance, we found that certain people uh, didn't want to carpool anymore with somebody who had tested positive or they lived with their brother who was waiting for his test results or, I mean, you name it, any, you know, any iteration. Um, the very first bit of money that we handed out was to a single mom of a child with Down syndrome who just could not, could not, could not get sick, right? It was not an option for her. And um, somebody had tested positive on her crew and she just put the brakes on. So that was the day at home program. Um, And then once the vaccine started being available, uh, what we saw was the, the gossip about the vaccine, if you will, was disproportionately English, right? So like, where are the clinics or are there extra or are we in a new phase or you don't need an ID to, to get vaccinated, or you may or may not have these symptoms afterwards. All of that, while yes, the CDC, I'm sure somewhere had a website, that was like it, right? And so on a local front, we started a texting program to alert um, the Latino community about all of what I like to call the gossip. So we, we did that. Wow. I think, I mean, both of those things are just incredible. I think it's, it's so heartwarming to hear, um, you know, especially just that story about that mother. Like, I don't know what you would do, you know, how, if you weren't there in Walla Walla helping some people, like, how can they navigate the system? The system is complicated enough and yet not to be giving the resources to the most vulnerable populations that need it the most, like kudos to you for having the foresight to even do that. Um, Well, that's the thing is it's not that much foresight. I mean, we're a small town and we're a small industry. Like you just look around, it's right here, right now, right there. You know, I mean, it's, it's easy to spot where the cracks are that, that everybody's slipping through. And also probably, I mean, you, I would assume you now have a reputation in Walla Walla for being um, somebody kind and generous who supports that that population. And so they probably know that you're a trusted source, which I think is probably helpful too. Yeah, I mean, when you look at sort of the Salud program in the Willamette and um, a lot of the, the Napa programs that have functioned, a big part of it has been like one nurse who is trusted, right? Who has stuck around for a long, long time. And that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. I still think it's incredible, even though you're, it feels like you're downplaying it a little bit. I think it's incredible work and, you know, it, you know, somebody needs to step up where, where voices aren't being heard, or there isn't access to the resources that we all need to remain healthy. It reminds me, I, I had a conversation with a couple of women last week and they also were talking about, you know, the expectation on people when they work in places like restaurants, you know, it used to be you got the flu or you had a fever and because you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're just expected to show up to work. And so how do we change those expectations where, again, it goes back to how do we treat human beings like human beings and put their health and their well-being ahead of, you know, the, the profit or what has to get done that day? and make sure that people know that they'll still have a job if they can't come into work because of their health. So, well, and I would add one layer of complexity to that, which is sort of the machismo effect, which is you've, you know, you've got this cultural machismo of like, I can do it. Don't worry about it. I'll show up. I'll work harder. I'll be there anyway. I'm sick, but it doesn't matter. I'll be there. And, um, and, and certainly sort of the hustlers who are, are in jobs that can put up with this kind of work. I mean, that's, that's the flip side to that coin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also really important to note. Um, are there other, what other types of access to healthcare do you, um, foster and how do you partner with, um, companies that will provide that or organizations that will provide that and, you know, more so in general people in need? Yeah, I mean, I, I th those are all layers uh, that we're just going to start tacking on. Like I said, you know, historically we've we've donated to this nonprofit clinic. A lot of in a small town, a lot of what's needed is just information, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's as easy as that. Just spreading information. Um, we're working with our our local hospital by Q three or Q four of this year to fundraise enough to create what's called a promotor de salud. So it's a, a promoter of health. So it's a person who goes out, a paid position full-time, who goes out into the community and just does the easy breezy stuff that makes a world of difference. So things like, does this person need a sandwich? Does this woman need to know about a women's shelter, right? Uh, does this person need to understand that what they have is arthritis or diabetes or that, you know, mammograms are preventative healthcare that's worth getting. And it's not somebody just fondling your boobs. Right. I mean, all this stuff is very like, it's, it's low hanging fruit, but boy, is it really important and it's so cheap to solve. Um, yeah. but it's just information. Yeah. Wow. That's great. So you mentioned before that you, every year you sometimes, or every year now you turn away fruit, um, how right now do you source the fruit for the wines and um, how do you work in collaboration with some of those wineries? Yeah. So what's so fun about being the vital winemaker or one of the vital winemakers is that it's really like iron chef for winemaking. Like everybody just throws a bunch of surprises at you. You're like, okay, here we go. I got it. I could do it. Um, and that's really fun, but, um, what, but it's even more so because we, we are approached by the most expensive, highly acclaimed vineyards in the state. And so if you say no three or four years in a row, then they go away, you know, mm -hmm. and they stop, they stop uh, offering to donate and their feelings are hurt. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it was a generous offer. And so in order to accommodate all of those vineyards and also keep my head on straight and <laughs> do my day job, um, 
we do need to sort of rotate uh, everybody. And um, so we, we try very hard to rotate, but what it means is every vital wine is extremely a unicorn for that reason, right? We do not promise consistency other than it will be consistently delicious and high quality, but um, otherwise, you know, consistency is not what we're doing. We're, we're galvanizing a state uh, together to, to create change. Mm, that's beautiful. The wines are very delicious, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so um, for people who don't know, you can join the wine club as I have, um, and you can get your shipments of the wine. And, you know, it, it's not only are their wines really tasty and um, fun because you don't know necessarily what they're going to be. Um, but they also are, you know, of course you, it's feel good because you're giving back and supporting this community. So I would encourage people to go out and support you and I'm going to plug you again. Um, so what else do you think consumers need to know about, uh, the wines they choose and buy and how they spend their dollars? Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I think we're really going to grow into that being easier. I think at every stage of an industry, you have very obvious goals and they're very hard to achieve quite yet. It's just not, you know, it, that's a tough one. I think we've spent the, the last decade and a half. I mean, that question is kind of like asking a, a, a winery in, in 1970, like, what, you know, okay, so where are the organic and biodynamic vineyards and how do I make sure I'm only buying them? Like, great question. Um, I'm sure, you know, there are bits and pieces and places. I'm sure everybody's got that on their brain, but like, can I answer that question? No. <laughs> so, so, um, but, but I think everybody is tracking towards that. Um, I, I think, and I'm, and I'm woefully ignorant right now because we're coming out of this pandemic and I have two little kids. And so I'm sure there are all sorts of organizations, um, Increasingly, I'm finding a lot of women winery organizations that are promoting wineries owned by women. And so, you know, that's chugging along and I'm, I'm slightly aware of some of those, but as far as org of like organizations that are touting wineries and vineyards that are culturally sustainable and sort of focused on human rights, I don't know. I bet they're out there. Um, but I don't know who that is. And I think that's telling, right? The fact that I don't know who that would be is, is telling. Um, so well, there's yeah, one, you know, there's one, it's called Vino Karma. Yeah, you guys, <laughs> you guys. Yeah, so shameless plug for Vino Karma. Everybody <laughs> should sign up for the newsletter for Vino Karma and listen. And join our event. <laughs> join the events. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's why it's so important that you're doing and why I said yesterday, right? Uh, that you're doing what you're doing because I honestly can't think of many other organizations. There's a, there's a really cool organization called a balanced glass. That's about sort of health and mental health and well-being within the wine industry. And it's focused kind of on how you don't drink too much and yet still be in the wine industry. That's one aspect of like, how do you navigate those waters when you're constantly being asked to participate in 17,000 events, right? But that's kind of different from what you're talking about. It's important, but it's, it is different than, than what you're talking about. So props to you. <laughs> no, I do think, I do think that's extremely important, particularly during this pandemic. When you look at 
the whole of the hospitality industry and the toll it has taken on people and their mental health and well-being um, through this pandemic, you know, people who have lost their jobs or people who are trying to figure out how do I step back into this industry, which is very high touch um, and not feel like I'm putting myself at risk. Uh, so I, it's going to be interesting to see how with the world rapidly opening up right now, you know, what changes and how we do continue to support um, again, health and well-being, but also, you know, the mental health aspect, which we don't talk about enough. So I think that that's really important. Um, so um, are there any trends or changes you're seeing in the trade or in the industry that you're super excited about that you're, you think are changing the face of the industry right now? You know, on the, on the female winemaking front, I think part of, um, and I kind of had this debate with Eric Asimov a, a while ago, um, and I'm, and I'm not sure I won the debate, but uh, the debate was <laughs> as follows. Like if, if there is sort of one, um, or 20 or 30 female winemakers in this, in the country, like no matter what they do, I think the, the 18 to 30 year old women who are contemplating entering the industry, um, it almost doesn't matter because it still seems so unattainable, right? Like how many women winemaker are there? Like eight, right? It's not going to be me. So I give up. And, and so I think eventually, um, I mean, it's kind of like looking at what Bono does, right? Like, okay, so Bono does what Bono does. It doesn't affect me because I, that will never be my world. Right. Um, so there's, there's some of that. And then I think just that natural progression of now trickling in, there are enough female winemakers that, um, that those movements can take shape. You can have symposiums, you can have organizations, you can have conferences, you can have websites, you can have groupings of some sort, you can have movements, right? And then from that, there's, there's, um, effectiveness in numbers. So that's happening. And I think very much that's going to be the same exact thing that you see coming out of the Latino community that within Napa and Willamette and the Finger Lakes district and Walla Walla and all these different places, you simply will see enough of those Latinos that grew up in cellars, Latinos that grew up in vineyards, enough Latinos that sort of grew up between two cultures that have finally aged into a place where they have access to investors or they are confident because they're not 17 anymore and now they're 25 or now they're 30. And, um, and the, in the institutional knowledge is there, it's just sort of the, the confidence and the connections and the, um, you know, all of that. And, and then you're just going to see a, a whiplash of overdue change. Mm. I've been trying to find Latinx people to interview I'm like, where are they? Where's their group? Like, how can I get in front of them and put them in front of our audience to support them? I'm starting to find a couple out of Napa, but, um, or, or like family owned, family run vineyards. But I think there's a gap still of how do we highlight people's stories where they're working in the fields and then maybe they've moved to front of house at a tasting room, or they've been able to, you know, figure out how to navigate this industry. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch that progression and for that day. Um, can you share a little bit about uh, Brook and Bull and, um, you know, any information you want to share with folks about that or what's next for Vital and um, Brook and Bull as, as well? 
Yeah. Yeah. So Broken Bolt is my day job. That's my normal winery. Um, so we're a th- 3000 case a year winery out of the Walla Walla Valley uh, and focused on high end varietals that are not sort of trounced with oak. Um, so how do you how do you showcase just a, a really amazing version of of one varietal uh, while not covering it up with with oak? I think so many of these wines out there that are that are beautifully done and and very high end um, are uh, sometimes have a little more oak on them than than they need to. And um, so that's what that's what we do at Brook and Bowl. We do some blends that really are not defined by tradition. I don't really enjoy being told what to do. So uh, I do, I do what I feel like doing. And, and that kind of explains what we're doing at Brook and Bowl. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And anything else on the horizon for either Brook and Bowl or Vital Wines that people need to be aware of so that they can watch out for it? Gosh, good question. I mean, both brands are, are growing so quickly that really, uh, in a lot of respects, I would suggest getting on the newsletter or getting in the wine club because we tend to sell out of stuff very, very quickly, which has been awesome. Um, and uh, one thing that we saw during the pandemic was that not only were people drinking, uh, but they were drinking really well, like nice wines. Um, and And I sort of experienced that myself of like, I love chocolate. It was not the time for Hershey's Kisses. It was the time for like good chocolate because everything else was bad, you know? <laughs> and so I think we saw that on the wine front and and people told their friends who told their friends about this little gem box winery that they knew of and this, this social project that they knew of for Vital. And so, um, yeah, both Brook and Bull and Vital have... Um, become much more in, in demand than ever before. And, and we were doing fine before. So that would be my suggestion. Shame, shameless plug there is get, get on the newsletter and, and maybe even join the wine club. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate the shameless plugs because this is what we're here for to support winemakers and change makers and tastemakers who are doing incredible things um, and who are making incredible wines. Um, I do think it's funny though, for me, like going through the pandemic, there were phases of the pandemic. The first phase was really like, what wine can I pair with Ben and Jerry's? And then the next, the next phase was like, okay, this is getting out of control. Now I need to get back to my fitness and drinking better wines and laying off the Ben and Jerry's, but moving more to the high-end chocolates and the high-end experiences as well at home, you know, when we were supporting our local restaurants, you know, really thinking through, you know, not only supporting them, but also supporting winemakers to attach to those restaurants and, and trying some new things that we wouldn't necessarily have in our house because we're stuck here. (laughs) Um, But it's been an interesting time. And I hope there are some things that, you know, I hope consumers do continue to support uh, people like you and other, other smaller boutique wineries um, and learn more and take that journey of, oh, like, where is Walla Walla and what's going on in Walla Walla? And wow, there's some cool stuff coming out of Walla Walla. So I, I appreciate that. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you or we haven't talked about that I should have asked you? No, no, I wish, I mean, I wish I could give you answers for 20 years from now, right? Like, (laughs) you know, just hand you a bunch of wineries that are socially sustainable and uh, I wish, but no, I mean, I think we covered what we could cover in 2021. 
But yeah, and who knows what um, the rest of the year is going to bring. So, um, you know, especially as, you know, I'm here in California and we're opening up rapidly and restaurants are moving to being able to have more folks inside. And so it's going to be interesting to see um, if that change continues and what changes are being made in the hospitality industry as a whole and how we shift again. So I appreciate the conversation. So once again, please go out and support Ashley at both of her wineries, Brook and Bull and Vital Wines. We will have the links below so that you can go out and support her. And I cannot thank you enough for your time. I know you're extremely busy going out there and creating change um, and really, you know, with your wines, doing incredible things. So as we say here at Vino Karma, please continue to go out there and create change one sip at a time. Thank you. Thank you.